On Deloitte's OnCloud podcast, my co-host Mike Cavus and I talk with innovation leaders to explore how they use cloud engineering for new possibilities for their organizations. Join myself, David Linthicum, by subscribing to OnCloud wherever you get your podcasts. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios, this is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves, that, that makes them smile, celebrate. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten, he wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Oh. <laughs> ah! Ah! Bum, bum. Like, I, hey, boss. Bum, bum. Come on, Barry Thompson. What's happening, man? Listen, man. I'm taking some no-dos and drinking five-hour energy. You got me up here watching four overtime games <laughs> against NC State. <laughs> Welcome like, to the party, pal. Out, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was fun. Oh man. So, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on that on that 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 exhibit of basketball last night? Uh, first of all, the C bronze guy mm-hmm. is, is, is real. Mm-hmm. He's real. He's a Virginia boy. So it doesn't surprise me. He's from Norfolk. Uh-huh. Um, but I, it looks like I saw two young teams out there, mm-hmm. you know, because a mature team doesn't, they don't let, they don't let you get them like that on their home court. And I just saw a lot of anxiousness. Um, they competed hard. Uh, there's no question about that. You saw what you want out of both teams play hard. Uh, I thought toward the end, uh, it, it, it wasn't as defined for Nebraska for a whole bunch of reasons as to who should get the ball in those in those clutch moments or how they as a team were going to handle those clutch moments. Whereas on the NC State end, it was very defined. You know, we're going to get to see Brown and let him go do his thing. Um, you know, typical things in close games, foul shots and things like that. But a good game. Um, and it was good to see them go on the road and compete like that. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, I didn't I, – I, you know, we were having a conversation with Strick, and I was like, yeah, I got to remember that dude. That dude just turned 19 years old, man. Like, mm-hmm. Bryce McGowan just turned 19, and he's playing – at NC State in Raleigh, that is look, man. A whole lot of dudes got facial hair and chest hair playing in Rome. Like, it, <laughs> like that's when they it finally hit. 
because there's different players. Right. But, you know, through all, right. through whatever it was, it was good to watch um, for them to fight. I mean, to get the four overtimes, yeah. man, go ahead and do your thing, man. Um, it was pretty yeah. amazing. It's – I was trying to think back to if there was ever a game that went four overtimes that I was involved in. I couldn't think of any. No. Uh, the only one that I've been involved in, I'm sitting on the couch watching it. Well, yeah. I've well. never had a four overtime game. And it was so funny when they started. Um, Cindy was with me, and I said, I said they're not going to score. I said, watch how long they go without scoring mm-hmm. in the first overtime. And then when they hit that fourth one, you could see like almost like the players were kind of like, oh, are you kidding me? Like it almost became a fun atmosphere for them. Yeah. You know, and they kind of relaxed, and they were tired and giddy and, you want to win those games, and but at the end, it was entertaining. They fought really, really hard, and um, they'll recover. And both teams, what always matters next in these sports games is the next game. Yeah. So they fall on their face next game, then you know you go back to that. That's how they handle it. They come up and fight again and come up a winner. Boom. And the same thing with NC State. They turn around and lose a game next. It, it doesn't matter how hard they fought. So it's a tough it's a tough part of sports, but it's uh, the challenging part of sports. Barry, we're we are at this place where once again we're starting to see behind the curtains on how the business of sport is, is being done and who the people Ain't pretty, are. It isn't pretty, is it? Right, like and who the people are. Like we've moved from from job to job based on situation, but. I'm a little offset by some of the adults, right? That, that quite frankly, the adults are misbehaving and the children are paying the price. Like the young people are paying the price. The the young men and women are paying the price. I don't have to call them children, but the young men, men and women of the collegiate sports are paying the price for adults misbehaving badly. And I, I try not to be, that judgy, but my goodness gracious, um, have we lost? Are we, are we? Can we ever get back to where the adults do what's right by the young people? No, not not at that level. Yeah, um, that you can kind of see why now, even though it seemed like hypocrisy, right? That the Olympics fought to keep that veil of amateurism over what they were doing. And you can kind of see now, even though it didn't make sense, the hypocrisy of the NCAA and and how the presidents were operating their sports and the bowl money and the the disadvantage of athletes and coaches being able to pay millions and things like that. I think the sport will come back to some type of equilibrium with all this dislocation Mm -hmm. at some point just because there are so many people involved around it the ultimate consumers, the people that are participating in it, that they'll they'll put enough pressure in it to, to bring it back to some equilibrium. But right now we're in a period of wild wild west. We just are. There's they they pull back the curtain and everybody sees the wellspring of money and you've got a mixture of people doing things for money, which is never a good thing. And you have people that are doing things that are divorced of money, right? And when you have that in the mix, it, it's kind of ugly. You know, um, 
you know, a coach might have taken a job because he, he wanted to step up and he wanted the prestige and, you know, and, and to get that and to coach on a big stage. Well, now you're seeing guys on a big stage leave. So then what are they after? Well, then I'm going to give them benefit of doubt, knowing that all these schools have different admissions policies, knowing that some administrations are willing to do X whatever to go pursue a national championship. Some aren't. That we're seeing a kind of realigning of partners. And that also includes from a player standpoint. That started with the players and the quarterbacks hitting transfer portal about three years ago. Remember the guys at Georgia were leaving. Uh, the Ohio State backup, right? You had um, Tate Martell that left. And you had... Um, Here's my guy that went to LSU at Cincinnati now. Burrow. Yeah. Uh, was one of my, yeah, yeah, he left, right? So the players, ironically, kind of started it. And now the coaches are kind of following suit. It's not pretty. And it's confusing. Um, and I think they're going to have to hang out a help one at sign at some of these places. <laughs> because I saw an article a long time ago. When a coach moves, the domino effect, in most cases, of of 25 or 30 person staff that has to then move is unbelievable. And you start adding up the economic factors, buying the house, moving, going down a level, uh, buying houses, relocating kids and families. And then they're moving to a place where that has also happened. And then those people have to find their home. So it's, it's an incredible economic move at the high level when a head coach changes. Um, but it's not pretty right now. On the other side, I mean, with the transfer portal, it it, it, it allows some freedoms, even some, some undeserved freedoms, but some freedoms for players to make a move. And I say this, anytime a, 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 a quarterback who has played four years in the system and been the guy, right, wear and tear, uh, to his body, his his his, his ego, his, his his system, and then he decides to leave after four years. That's a lot, right? That look to be honest about Adrian Martinez. You've you've stated clearly who you thought the guy was as a, as a quarterback, right? The guy plays the position, he plays it at a high high level. Um, he just didn't win, you know, the bulk of his games. What do you do? How should you process Adrian Martinez as a Nebraska Husker, Cornhusker? Well, he has all these numbers, right? And they, I just looked at an article transferring this 71% for completion rates, and he has all these records there. It's a function of playing as a freshman, but you also have to have some amount of effectiveness. He, I think, kind of fell victim to his own, his own expectations. When he hits the team as a freshman there, right, everybody's thinking, okay, well, this is just going to get much better. But that ecosystem around a quarterback is so important that you can look at his talent, and it's just tough to tell, DP, unless you're in that room every day, of, of what he's being asked to do day to day. It's just like how is he – you know, because from an outsider, he's, he seems too talented to not cross the Rubicon in those moments that everybody wants him to – to be the guy, mm-hmm. you know, and so either he has the personality flaw, right, or 
there's something in, in you know what you're asking a quarterback to do in certain moments maybe doesn't equip him to perform in those moments. I don't know which is which, but you know now now we're going to be able to see. So yeah, I hear what you're saying, but but now that they're going in different directions, we'll be able to see. If the next guy that comes in there and he has the same type of problems in certain moments, then either they're choosing wrong or there's something flawed about the approach. And then on the other hand, if we go out and see him just succeed in those moments, and you know, then, then it kind of indicates that at least he was being asked to do things that he was more equipped to do. I, I don't know which it is. He has a talent level that indicates that he should be at not only the level he is, but maybe a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't click in those moments. for. And you can, you can explain it away. But at the end of the day, this is kind of about coming through and winning or not winning. And uh, I don't know which is which. Well, it's so then watching the performance of Logan Smothers a week, a week, a week ago, right? With all the doubts and concerns and all the things that have been put in the water, saying that this guy couldn't do this, couldn't couldn't do that, uh, wasn't ready. The gap between Adrian and Logan was so substantial that he didn't warrant minutes or moments uh, throughout the season. And then, you know. You, they did exactly with Logan, exactly what they did with Adrian. And you got the same result. You literally got the same well, result. Uh, you bring it up, not me. <laughs> I, you know, there's there's something there. Uh, and we've seen this before with, uh, you know, for your folks in the way back, when Robert Griffith Jr., this is really way back because he had a 15-year career and he's in the booth now. But there was a period of time with the Redskins where he was – being asked to do things he was really good at. Mm-hmm. And they were flying, flying, right? And they come against this playoff game against Seattle, and there's a young guy named Russell Wilson. He gets hurt. Russell Wilson went to second half, and he goes on to become Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, things change with the Washington football team, and Robert Griffith, for a period of time, became a cautionary tale. Same guy. Same exact guy. But then something happened where he was being asked to do different things that he wasn't good at, and it just a career went down the tubes. So, you know, as a, cheering for the Huskers and everything, I hope it's not internal. You know, but as much as I'm a fan of Adrian, I hope it's not a flaw. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but but you have this early indication, as you said, where it looked it looked similar, and then right in those moments. Here, here come the yips, here comes the special teams, here comes these things. And and it goes back to my central point, that ecosystem around a quarterback is just so important, right? You, you've got to give, if it's, an, if it's an important position, you have to treat it importantly, mm-hmm. right? You have to have protections that cover things. You have to have routes that make sense. You, know, you have to have the flexibility that, you know, if you're getting pressured, can you shorten or deepen a route? You have to have a defined way of getting the ball to your best players. Uh, the field has to be clearly defined for him. And then you have to practice it. And he has to be prepared. And if he has any amount of talent, you do that, then, you know, then you got something. You jump to the NFL, you know, when was it the Jones kid out Alabama? Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to poop on him because, you know, he didn't think he had the arm strength. He was really smart, blah, blah, blah. And the Patriots seem to be doing just fine. It's because everything's defined there. He knows exactly what he's going to do, right? He knows exactly. Let me put it this way. 
quarterbacks can get a lot done before the ball is snapped. They really can. Through they better. Study and looks and think they can get it done. And so when you see a quarterback take the snap, go back and complete a pass, that means that he got a ton done. There is no reading a defense. I always think, like, there's no book. You don't have time. You have 1.5 seconds to process your first decision. you got another three-tenths to get the ball out of your hands. If you're not making that first decision, you get about another two-tenths to process the second and another two-tenths to get it out of your hands. So you're, at most, you're at 1.92 seconds if you get to your second option. And how many times have you seen Adrian go back and look and look and look and look and then run and look? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what is that? We're going to find out pretty soon. Yeah, from the text line, and, and, and it speaks to what you were just talking about, but yes, please ask how much of the success and or failure of Adrian is credited or discredited to his surrounding pieces. Yeah, it just it's a great question from the text line. All I can tell the texter is that the ecosystem around the quarterback has to be right, and you have to be, in order to be successful, and you have to ask the quarterback to do things that he's really good at. Now, which one of those moving pieces is is the flaw and the, the 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 kind of fly in this ointment? I don't know because I'm not there every day, but trust me, there's something not right with it because it so consistently came up at the not good at the at the wrong moment. And like I said, an indication is. You can see quarterbacks that get so much done pre-snap with their concepts and so forth that they can they can know. There's really two ways of passing the ball. There are two two ways. There's there's one where you have a pure progression. You're going one, two, three, whatever that case may be. The other is is you can identify in your route structure based what you're looking on. You can see a route beater. So just in the simplest of forms, if somebody was playing an old-fashioned cover four. As a quarterback, I come up, I know that the weakness of that structure is in the flat. So if I come up, I may have three different patterns, but if one of them's going to the flat, the down distance, I know exactly where I'm going with the ball, where I'm starting with my progression, right? Mm-hmm. Now, colleges do a great job of, you know, covering things, buzz three, week three, all that kind of stuff that they play. But, but those quarterbacks understand that stuff, and they know where the weakness of that structure is, right? So then, you know, it sounds simple talking about it on the radio, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to, to to take anything away from the guys that work really hard at this stuff, but I think even they will tell you that it wasn't completely right. And I don't know why, but it wasn't completely right. And um, so maybe the separation is best for everybody. Through through all of this, we talked to Barry Thompson, Fairfax Football Academy. Barry, it – the battle, the quarterback, the battles for the quarterback position are so unique. So when a coach or coaching staff says, listen, my guys, there's the best guy and nobody else is close. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What does, what does that mean he's working from and working with? It's tough because I'm, I'm learning – more and more through my guys, right, who are fighting these different battles in these different quarterback rooms and, and are fighting them, right? And and they're all at different stages. I have guys that have fought through to become the starter. I have two or three guys that, that are – I have three or four guys that are, like, next spring they're really going to make a push. It is – think of it this way. Imagine 
you were the most accomplished quarterback in your state. I don't know. You threw for, I don't know, 3,800 yards. Uh, you had 30 touchdowns. You had two interceptions. Um, you're fast. You're smart. You're good in school. Some school chooses you, and you feel pretty good about that, but you go into the room with three other guys exactly like you. That's why they chose you, mm-hmm. because you're exactly like the other four guys. Now imagine that. You're this accomplished high school quarterback, and you go into a quarterback room with three other guys, if you look at their bios, who, who, whose bios exactly, almost exactly match yours. Different states, they exactly match yours. Except two of them have been there for two years already. One of them is a starter that has 10 or 15 uh, uh, starts underneath his belt. So that's your starting place. So the first weeding out is, are you the type of guy, and this is the real grind, not that little grind that, you know, guys post a little bit, I'm on my grind. The real grind is, are you willing to do everything that's required of you, do it to the best of your ability, and there, you don't know if there's light at the end of the tunnel. So the first separation is, are you do you love it that much? Because a lot of guys will go by the wayside. Or they'll decide, hey, I don't like this line. I want to go play. I yeah. thought this would be good. So that weeds out a lot of the guys. Now you're left with, instead of four, you're left with two, maybe three guys. And let's say you got the starter and you're that third guy in and you're better than the second guy. So now your challenge is in practice, in the room, uh, off the field, you've got to demonstrate to these coaching staff who aren't looking at you very much that you are better than the second string guy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that involves, right, you're just sitting on the sideline during practice and all of a sudden you haven't warmed up and they say, get in there. Like it goes like that. Mm-hmm. And you better not mess it up, right? <laughs> you better not mess it up. You're just sitting there and, you, you know, you're used to like maybe going four practices and, you know, let's say there's 10 periods, and after period two, you're used to not getting any reps. All of a sudden, you're in period seven, and they say, get in there. Right? Yep. So that's another test. How ready are you? Right? How, how can you – do you have the ability to summon something on command cold? That's another test. Another test that I, I'm guessing this is what college coaches do because I'm hearing similar stories from my quarterback. They may suddenly just take your reps away from you. No explanation. And so then now how are you going to react? Right, and I've talked a couple quarterbacks off the ledge too when that happens. <laughs> so you fight through that. The whole process is by the time they give that ball to that guy, and you've all done this before. We've all been sitting there watching the game, and some teams winning. I don't know by thirty, and it's the fourth quarter, maybe six minutes to go, and you're going, man, they should take the starters out. I'm going to tell you, after going through a process like that, you try to take that quarterback off the field. Yeah. yeah, right, right. He ain't coming off for nobody. Right. There's so a... it's a combination of those trials, their own fighting through these adverse moments uh, that, that would make normal humans just throw their hands up and walk away. That somehow in those moments they, they take another step and they say, I don't care, I'm going to do this anyway. That guy ultimately emerges to be a starter somewhere at a Power 5 school or even at a FCS school, that line is tough too. So it's a lot of toughness that goes into this, a lot of tears, a lot of heartache that goes into these guys that you see on Saturday flinging the ball around. And then the last thing is, once they get to that, 
they have to have remarkable consistency. They in most of these competitive rooms, they've got to be remarkably consistent. You know, they, they cannot be up and down guys. And um, you know, because there are grown men who are essentially entrusting their livelihood to this guy that's so important to the team. So it's a tough process. Very tough process. It's not for everybody. Two part question. Uh, from the text line, do you, do you think Martinez is bad at reading defenses, and do you think he's told not to audible at all? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, it is a great question, but like that's a that's a good thing. Like maybe he's played four years and he went to audible, and they told him well, we don't audible, right? That's a possibility. I'm not there in the meeting room, or maybe it could be the the converse could be true, right? He he could be told audible and he never does it. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think that playing four years and seeing defenses over and over again, I would think that he has a sense of like where he should go and where he should start. It, but it's still confounding to me why we would see him so often kind of hold the ball for so long. Maybe that was part of the design, that they wanted him to hold the ball for these deeper routes and they just didn't uncover. Or, you know, I don't know. But like I said, what we there's two things that we can be sure of. When it's good, we know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Quarterback gets the ball, snaps, boom, the ball's out of his hand. When it's not good for whatever reason, we know what that looks like. He's back, he's waiting around, making bad decisions, forcing the ball late. We know that part. What's in between, unless we're in those meeting rooms every day, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It really is all of that's true, right? Uh what do we yeah. Well, we had uh, Thanksgiving, Pat. So we, uh, I know people, no disrespect to the uh, traditional turkey and all the trimming, but a traditional kind of early settler Virginia Thanksgiving was ham, oysters, and some maybe some duck. So we typically have some Virginia smoked ham. We'll make some oysters too. But what I was really proud of this week is we made some duck sausage on a duck on sausage gumbo and i had it and if you've never made gumbo before whoever invented that deserves a monument <laughs> um, it starts it starts with a i'll walk you through the dish really quickly there's a place called mark's duck house which roasts the duck so we get the duck and we just uh eat, you know take the meat off and put the bones aside and it has a very flavorful fatty skin and we take that aside uh with the roux, it's it's basically flour and oil. So in this case, it was a duck fat from the skin. You render that fat, and then you put the flour in. The challenge with the roux is it typically takes long. Uh, the darker the, the color of the roux, right, the, the more uh, flavor that it has in your gumbo. So we take this all the way to a chocolate brown, like a Hershey bar color roux. And then in goes your trinity, which is the, uh, the green peppers, the onions, and celery. Uh, that gets stirred around around some garlic, you know, other stuff in there. And then uh, eventually uh, stock goes in, then the uh, – I'm sorry, the sausage goes in, and then stock, and then uh, the, the duck goes in. And while it's cooking, uh, it just – you let it go for about an hour and a half. Now, these duck skins were sitting there, and I looked at it, I was about to throw them away, and I said, wait a second. Let me crisp these things off in the cast iron skillet. So they turned into like duck crackling, right? These little flavorful 
skin cracklings. And so once we put, you serve that over rice with some green onions and we put these duck cracklings on top. And I'm telling you, DC. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. You need to share, you need to share the picture on 93.7 ticket. Go ahead and share the picture. Cause I will. And I'll tell you what I did a couple of days later, we got a hold of some crabs. And so I picked, picked a couple of crabs, got all the lump meat out and all that stuff. And I reheated it and I put a couple of claws in there and put some crab meat on there. I'll share that picture. Ooh. So that was that was the leftovers. So we'll put crab meat on top. <laughs> Ooh Barry Thompson, appreciate you, brother. Let them know how they can find you. All right. Oh well, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, at vaqb8 Virginia QB8. Uh, that's probably the best place to find me. You can find me on uh, Facebook, uh, Barry Thompson. You'll see my mug up there and a lot of quarterback stuff. We just post a lot about our. Our, our postseason guys, our college guys that are coming in, so you can take a look at that on Twitter or that. And uh, we'll get our Instagram account fired up here pretty soon. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Hug the wife. Kiss the kids, man. Appreciate you. I will. Thanks for having me. Barry Bye-bye. Thompson, Fairfax Football Academy. Return to break. Husker Hall of Famer Jay Former will call us up next on Old School. Watch Old School live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Old School with DP and Jay. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.